Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuck show, hanging out in the Kia studios on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Well, coming up Sunday will be the Falcons' first game on the road as they head up to Detroit to take on the Lions, coming off of a, another stunning win, 25-24 over the Green Bay Packers. Let's head up to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy Daniel Flick, Falcons uh, writer for Fan Nation, part of the SI not, uh, Network. Uh, you can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at ByDanielFlick. Daniel, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes uh, on the show with me here tonight. Yeah, for sure, man. Happy to uh, hop back on with you and excited to talk some ball. You know, I, I was talking about this in the last segment that, and I know people are frustrated about, you know, Pitts' targets and London's targets in the first game or this, that, and the other. But this is this is what I say about that. And I don't say this in a in a bad way when I say this. They have too many weapons. You know, they have too many guys that they can get the, the football to and and I think, Daniel, moving forward, I think that this is going to be a week-to-week thing where they're going to take the matchup that favors them most and exploit that. And if that means Pitts doesn't get as many targets or London doesn't get as many targets, they're going to exploit the matchups that benefit them most because they have so much personnel on offense. Yeah, I agree, and I think even more importantly, Arthur Smith agrees. Um, this is something that he's touched on several times as well of late, um, and I personally could not agree more. You know, I think when you look at the way that Arthur Smith wants to run his offense and, and how run-heavy he'd like to be, uh, there's not enough targets to go around to where you're going to satisfy everybody. Um, and, you know, we've heard Arthur talk about, you know, the fantasy football community and, and kind of um, – they're, you know, how loud and vocal they are about some of those things. But um, you're right. I, I completely agree with you. I think that really the Falcons have so much versatility with how they can win. And I think that's kind of, um, as you said, it's going to create just some, you know, some outside frustration with, um, you know, the week-to-week target share and kind of how that varies. But, you know, for the Falcons, Arthur Smith said earlier this week, he, you know, he will never apologize for winning. Um, and regardless of how they do it, um, I, I think he's solely focused on capitalizing on that week-to-week advantage, as you mentioned. Um, you know, whether it's obviously week one, we saw London have, I believe, one or two targets. You know, I, I think Kyle Pitts had three targets 
but Algier had a really good game. Robinson had a really good game. This week, you could kind of see London and Pitts, especially in the first half, receive kind of more of a, a focal point um, offensively. And then, you know, as the second half wore on, you kind of saw more of a balanced attack that was very exciting, um, kind of seeing all of – really all of the, um, the various weapons in the arsenal kind of come together. And, and so I think um, – kind of looking back at your initial point, I fully agree. I, I think that it's not at all a bad thing. Um, it's going to frustrate some people on the outside, but inside the Falcons have a group of guys who just want to win, um, and they have the pieces to attack. You know, if you're really good you know, on run, you know, if you're facing a good pass rush or a really good run defense or whatever it may be, the Falcons have the pieces to where you can attack whatever it may be. Um, and that's that's what you're going to need to win games, not only now, but as you progress later into the year. And then obviously Atlanta aspires to play well into late January. Um, and so that's, that's, I, I think that'll prove very important as the uh, year plays on. We know the, the first round pick for the Falcons has been outstanding thus far in the first couple of games. How do you think Matthew Bergeron has played so far in these first two games? Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about this the other day. He has not had his name called very often, whether it be for good or bad. And I think for an offensive lineman, that is an overwhelmingly positive thing. Um, you know, he's been steady. And it's not necessarily a high bar, but if you look back at Jalen Mayfield in 2021, week one was a disaster. Um, clearly not ready. And it really just snowballed from there. Matthew Bergeron, we have not seen any of that. He held his own throughout training camp. He held his own in the preseason. And so far, um, he's been very, very good. And it's felt like watching that the Falcons have had more success running left than they have running right. Um, And the Falcons invested $135 million, if I'm not mistaken, on the right side of their offensive line. Um, So that left side with Matthew Bergeron has been very, very impressive so far to me. Um, and again, you kind of, I think a lot of people forget with Matthew Bergeron that he had one practice at left guard in his entire football career when he arrived in Atlanta um, for rookie minicamp earlier this year. Uh, and the fact that he's been able to, to, to acclimate as quickly as he has has been very impressive. Um, and you're only going to see him improve, you know, the more that he kind of sees and, and experiences some of these various things that he's got to adapt to. Um, he's touched a lot about of the game and just the adjustment that you have in that regard, how much quicker you have to be with your hands and feet and everything inside as opposed to outside. It's a big learning curve um, and and one that not a lot of people fully grasp at times, I think, Um, but it's one that he's handled very well. Um, And again, you look at the way that Mayfield played, even last year, Elijah Wilkinson, you know, Atlanta had a bit of a, a revolving door at left guard last year. Matthew Bergeron has been nothing but steady so far. And, again, he was always more of an upside play. Um, and, and so I think the Falcons are very, very encouraged with, with what they've seen so far. Daniel Flick joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline, Falcons reporter for Fan Nation. <clears throat> Excuse me. As we talk about Falcons win uh, last week um, over the Green Bay Packers as we get ready for Falcons and Detroit Lions coming up here on Sunday. You know, um, I still have my concerns about the pass rush for this team and, and them getting home, uh, especially with their with their front. I mean, with their defensive front. I mean, their defensive front, outside linebackers, and, and, and things like that. And it feels like that we've had to at times blitz to be able to get home against quarterbacks. Is there a concern about our front line that 
again, they've not been able to generate enough pressure. We're not going to see – I mean, look, the quarterback in week one was making his first ever NFL start. Even Jordan Love was only making his third NFL start, you know. Again, it will ramp up at some point, and it will be guys that are more experienced. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll have our ups and downs with that. But, you know, again, I, I have my concerns about just can we create any kind of steady pass rush with our front line? Yeah, you know, I think there was so much optimism entering the year about Calais Campbell, you know, and Arnold Ebiketti, kind of, if he could take that next step, even the signing of Bud Dupree, you kind of had a lot of optimism there. And so far, uh, you know, the Falcons have flashed, I think, creating that pass rush with four. But a lot of that's come when the opponent was in an obvious passing situation. Uh, you know, again, you look at against Green Bay uh, last last Sunday, um, that four and out, that was, you know, their final offensive possession. Um, the Falcons got home on Love's quite a few times uh, throughout that possession. And then again, in the fourth quarter against Carolina, um, it felt like I want to say they had five pressures, five hits on Young. Uh, and so you kind of get into those situations where you allow them to just kind of pin their ears back and go. Um, and it seemed like they could create a little bit more. But, you know, overall, you haven't really seen, I think, the presence you were hoping to see. Um, I know Calais Campbell said after week one that he felt he was kind of pressing a little bit. Obviously, he's at 99 career sacks right now and um, and, and is really, really eagerly trying to um, hit the century mark. Um, but, you know, I think as a whole, the Falcons, you know, added so much talent up front. And, and I believe we actually talked about this the last time I was on, um, just about how much optimism there was and um, the talent that they had and how – how expansive of a, of a room they had. Um, and, you know, the interior line has been all right with pressure. I think Anyamata's had a few hits. Obviously, you know, you have what you have um, with Jared, and, and he's been, you know, same old steady, consistent pressure guy inside. But that outside pass rush has obviously been a really big flaw for several years. And I think we're seeing a little bit more, you know, Again, there's been times in years past where they haven't, even even in those obvious passing situations, they haven't created that pressure. So I, I think we're still seeing a little bit of a step forward. Um, it just may not be as big as what, you know, I think we were all hoping for. Yeah, even, um, even the Caden Ellis play was a third and 11. You know, that, that sack that came was, it was an obvious passing situation, to your point. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, I think with Ryan Nielsen, one of the things that New Orleans is known for is their ability to kind of manipulate looks up front, especially, you know, um, using those linebackers and how they kind of um, rush and drop. And it's a it's a quarterback's worst nightmare, really, with how they kind of mix those um, rush plans up front. Again, it's kind of why Ellis was pretty much unblocked. Um, but I think that Ryan Nielsen – probably has been forced to be a bit more creative and show a bit more earlier than he was probably hoping to. Um, and again, his past and pretty much the last several years in New Orleans shows that if you have to use, you know, linebackers and have to kind of continue um, sending extra guys, um, he can do it and he can make it work. But, you know, again, I, I do think that right now, if you're looking at kind of an underwhelming unit, I would say that kind of outside pass rush is, is certainly an area the Falcons are hoping to uh, improve in uh, week three and then obviously throughout the rest of the year. So uh, we, we think that we're going to get I – think, I think both Cordero Patterson and Jeff Okuda are going to be back. And, and I think that, you know, again, 
I, I don't know if either of those guys could have played last week, but I, I think they were saving, you know, Kuda for a chance to get to play his former team and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, we talked about Patterson coming into the season and what kind of roles and stuff he could have. But now when you look at the reality of this offense and how it's playing out, what do you think his role is going to be? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to just see what they do with him because they don't really need help running the football. So what, what is his role, you think, specifically going to be you know, moving forward in this offense? Yeah, you know, I think it's a good question. And I, I think Arthur Smith is still trying to figure that out as well. Um, I, I think you can, you know, after week one, he mentioned he's still kind of trying to figure out um, how to find that happy medium with Algier and Robinson's um, workload as well. And so I think adding Patterson into that mix, he's such a good playmaker. And, uh, you know, I think um, Arthur has said on several occasions how much he values is just trying to find ways um, to involve him, whether it be, you know, running game, passing game, however it may be, you know, the, throughout the off season, the things that they consistently said is that he's going to have more of a role and, and kind of be used more um, how he was in 2021. Um, but again, that's kind of the role we've seen Bijan have so far. Um, and so I do think it's an, it's a, you know, it's a good question. I think they're probably going to end up scaling Bijan's total snap count back a little bit, try to get Patterson around five to 10 touches a game, um, especially early as he's still kind of, you know, reacclimating. Um, but again, I, I do think there's ways to get creative with him. Um, Arthur's proven that in the past that he is more than willing to, you know, find ways. And I think we're probably going to end up seeing him use primarily in that same running back role that he's kind of had so far in the last two years. I think you'll see him involved more as a receiver this year than last. Um, I think, you know, last year he was used more as, as a running back because of really the way that room ended up shaping up. But um, this year I think you're probably going to see him. I don't think his total snap count is going to end up being huge, um, but I think it's the type of deal that when he's out there, you know, even even at age 32, he's still the type of talent um, and the athlete to where he can break a game with, you know, one play, one carry, one touch. Um and even, even last year, you know, towards the end of the year, he was still an explosive option. And, and so I think really the Falcons really haven't been overly explosive this year. They don't really – I don't think Arthur Smith's offense requires that. But I think adding Patterson back kind of provides a layer of explosiveness that currently isn't there. Um, and, you know, the more creativity and, and, and the more that you can kind of mix and match pieces, obviously it's just more of a headache for, uh, you know, opponents. And so I, I think with Patterson, to answer the overall question, I, I think you're going to see him probably get about five to ten, probably, probably I'd say that five to eight range for, for handoffs each game is probably the safest bet. And then I think you'll probably see about try to probably have two or three targets for him as well. So you're looking at around – seven to 10 overall touches for him is probably what they're aiming for. Cause I, I think even where he's at now um, there, he's still a guy that they want to involve and that they truly value inside that program. Daniel Flick, he writes about the Atlanta Falcons for fan nation, part of the SI network. You can find him on his personal Twitter page at by Daniel Flick. And he joined me here on the wait hotline. Daniel's always buddy. Appreciate a few minutes on the show. We will certainly chat again with you here soon. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. You got it.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.